1: Welcome to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and today, a new big-budget sci-fi western. It's based on the novel series by Stephen King. It's called The Dark Tower, starring Idris (laughs) Elba. I'm laughing already. And Texas actor Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right. Plus, 10 years ago, former Vice President Al Gore won an Academy Award for his Inconvenient Truth documentary. That's all about global warming. He's back this week with an Inconvenient Sequel truth to power. I'm
2: wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill, and yes, apologize for my voice. I am a little under the weather. I
1: think it's kind of sexy.
2: Well, I might have not smoked a pack of cigarettes or had a gallon of scotch, but my voice sounds like it. Nice. Um, But I am thrilled to pair an Inconvenient Sequel with one of our favorite wines that just received an additional level of recognition for their efforts to farm clean and green, Stoller Family Winery in Willamette Valley in Willamette Valley. And our pairing for The Dark Tower dark is tower. somewhat appropriate, just slightly less dreadful than the actual film, but we'll get into that in a minute. But the wine is from Gallo. It's called Apothic Dark.
1: Apothic Dark, Dark Tower. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> Let's talk about this film, Gary. We both saw it last
1: night. Wow. <laughs> okay, so we saw Dark Tower. It's an a, it's a American sci-fi western, so it's directed, it's co-written by... Nicolaj Arcel Mr. Arcel say it one more time Arcel uh, it's a continuation also of Stephen King's novel series of the same name uh, by the way that's an that's an eight book series and the, I the almost Dark Tower. yeah
2: I wish that we had not that I could have sat through eight books of this film <laughs> but maybe it would have made more
1: sense so, yeah. well, it's based on 8 books and it's just over 90 minutes. This film has been pared down so much. Yes. And I I'm a, a couple things about it. It cost around 60 million to make. Um and that's kind of low budget for a film like this. This yeah. is a this is a big giant film that and I'm going to say this on the surface. I never thought a movie needed to be made with a hundred million dollars, but it kind of needs it because it's the cheesiest effects. It's some of the cheesiest effects I've seen in a long, long time. Some of the Guardians of the Galaxy effects are intentionally cheesy, right? This is not. This is intentionally. They want it to be epic. So Lord of the Rings. You know what? Uh, wild. Uh, you know Westworld. I I don't know, but it's what they did is they took this giant eight novel series and made it into one. 90 truly minute. god-awful, deadful, dreadful. I, 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 I don't have a nice thing to say about this. It had one okay scene that was kind of a cliche. That's the scene where he, he shoots the gun without looking. Yeah. And and shoots down the bad guy. I'm going to also say that I like Idris Elba a lot and I like Matthew McConaughey Absolutely. a lot. And Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I I have no idea that both of them were in this film.
2: Yeah, I am not interested in either one of these characters or the boy that the, or the, little the boy. whole thing was supposed to be centered around.
1: There's a real there's a sense of cruelty in this movie in this movie that really drove me crazy because I think if it was a smarter, better film, the cruelty can be played out and not feel like it's just a mean, cruel story. But when they don't do it justice and they... Don't spend the time to develop characters, and nobody really cares what's going on. Uh, it just acts cruel. It's you know, I mean, in the opening scene, they're firing off children out of cannons. Well,
2: that, that's just <laughs> it. It's there wasn't any against char- their will. There wasn't any character development, no. and and so you had to. I mean, I don't know. It was interesting watching this film with an audience. Of People that obviously liked it more than I think we did, like, people were getting very into it and gasping and, oh, yeah, yeah oh yeah, get him.
1: It was also a free screening for them.
2: Uh, of course. Yes. But still, just because it's free doesn't mean it's good.
1: No, it doesn't. But and, it, a lot of times on free screenings, people applaud at the end of just— Just because they got to go see a free movie. Oh. I thought this film was so bad it made Baywatch cerebral. And Baywatch is not cerebral. <laughs> There's nothing cerebral about— Baywatch, which to me up to this point was the worst film of the year. Now, know. we have not seen the Emoji movie, yes. and we're not going to. We're going to skip that animated bad film. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen it. I shouldn't say anything. Else. But Baywatch to me up to this point was just really, really dumb Dreadful. and stupid. and. Yeah, you know, I I should kind of no. This was this was
2: this was not a um, and 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 it makes me sad because Stephen King, I mean the he's such an iconic writer, and 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 these novels I know have a great following, and and if. And, and I think, there, aren't they making this whole thing into a TV series that uh, the, will be know, the, played out over— The
1: plan is to be a film series and a TV series. I don't—depending well, may- on how this does, because it might make a ton of money. Right. It might not. It has a good chance of just— yeah, I think it's less than twenty percent on Rotten. <laughs> less than twenty bad movie,
2: hey, bad Rotten Tomato movies still make a lot of make money. make a
1: lot of money, and they can. And it's the time you're. But I, I I'm but hope- my whole thing is yeah. like
2: I'd almost be curious to see it as a as a full length TV show because then you can actually tell me why these children are being fired out of cannons in the very first scene <laughs> cuz they're
1: trying to knock down the dark tower well
2: and i can have some actual development in the storyline instead of just like it just felt so run and gun and right. and it felt i think that they they did go back and spend a good chunk of change trying to clean it up, trying to reshoot the ending, the reshoot parts and of the
1: movie, re-edit the movie because it had such it's it had a history of horrible test market screenings. It just didn't make screenings. any
2: sense, and and I think that what we got was probably the best cleaned up version of a film that made no sense. So I can't imagine what it was right.
1: a year ago, and then it just ended, and then it's just like okay, we're done. So it's a western, and it's a gunslinger, and a sci-fi, and then it's modern day New and York, and a kid's transported through a portal. Into the West, and but there, that's probably the future West. But
2: there might also be some Mordor, um, like, yes. like Lord of the Rings stuff involved. Right. Also, felt like a dragon could come out at any point because it did feel a little Game I was of just
1: wishing for a Game of Thrones dragon, <laughs> just to lighten it up, and 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 the and the the dragon mother. Yes. I just was wishing we for all of that. We needed
2: Khaleesi to just make it all better. You know what's
1: interesting about Stephen King is that there's been a ton of bad Stephen King. movies movies yeah. and that has nothing to do with the books. Right. Cuz he doesn't he's not making the movies. He's
2: not exactly.
1: And I completely agree with you that if this was a 6 or an 8 part film series I would be into it and mm-hmm. be interested, but probably not with this director and this writer mm-hmm. and who it's the same person mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I, I and I think you've got to just I mean TV's in such good shape right now that you could take this and run with it and probably handle it really well. So I would be interested in that television series. Uh, down the road if it gets made, but uh, right now uh, it's the Raspberry Award winner for me. So it's a mess, <laughs> and I, it it's it's not better than dreadful. It's worse than dreadful. Yes.
2: It was five not a,
1: minutes into it. We were done. I just couldn't
2: stand not, it. Not not our film, but not you know. Film. So we had because we had this in our mind. So actually, just last night we, um, after the film, toasted with this particular pairing that I just liked the reference and and it wasn't bad. We it, you actually it seen was it, better than the movie and and it, and it's actually interesting. It's not a wine that I. Um, it's a big production wine. It's right. it's a pot. It's the apothic brand of wine. Apothic, apothic, and and you know they don't tell you the vintage, they don't tell you exactly exactly where it's grown. It's an evil label. They don't tell you a lot about it except that um, it's that, red. That its goal is to embrace your inner dark side.
1: Starting to sound like our president. <laughs> we'll get to that in the next segment.
2: Yes, yeah. um, and and. It, their whole mantra is that the apothec wine is inspired. I can't do that because I'm it. totally going to sound, gonna sound um, like it. By, Apotheca, which might be a place that is in the Dark Tower, um, it's a mysterious place where wine was blended and stored in 13th century Europe. The wines of Apothic are truly unique in style and taste. A female winemaker whose goal is to craft bold, captivating Apothec blends. You yeah,
1: thanks have I, fangs?
2: I don't know. Um, they don't actually tell you what the actual Apothec Dark is. It's, it's the most mysterious and deep of all of them, uh, I'm gonna say just by tasting it, there's probably a lot of Zinfandel in there, yeah. along with a lot of other things. Maybe a little RS because it definitely was very. Um, it, it was a just kind of a big, juicy red, not subtle, it was juicy, um, not subtle. But you know, paired well with with last night's dinner, post movie, and and think it's it's a good wine for a bad film. <laughs>
1: It's a it's a good sneak in wine.
2: And that's You could ha- sneak
1: it in the movie theater if you wanted to. But
2: it is a it doesn't have a screw cap, so it makes it harder to sneak it in.
1: You know, that <laughs> kind of shocks me it doesn't have a screw cap.
2: Although I drink some
1: really good screw screw cap wine. I'm not wine. so
2: exactly, i like a good screw cap wine. In this, uh, yes. So that's So
1: Apothic Dark. Yes. Is,
2: we're going to we're going to pair with that and they then They don't
1: tell you what's in the bottle
2: <laughs> or the vintage or exactly where it's grown. Right. It's California. Uh, they have the ability if they don't have to. It's there are many wines that don't have to actually say could use when it as, or where it could
1: what. be. A, there are a lot of those, yeah. And usually they're, um, they're not over 20 a bottle.
2: No, this, I think this is like a $12 wine, right? yeah. And yeah. you can find it everywhere and it's very popular. A lot of people like the Apothic wines. They're lovely. They're, you know, it's, it's, and we like a lot of Gallo wines. It's so a I'm big not saying seller. anything about that. Exactly. Exactly. We, we, we support the brand and hope that. That if you're going to see this subpar film, this
1: is your wine. <laughs> Can we go on to the next film? <laughs> no, I no, but I, 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 I'm, I'm following your logic, and I actually completely agree with it. Yes, and I I I, I drank more than one glass, and I didn't hate. You did. It. You drink I, You drink yeah. most of the bottle. But I was I, glad to see that. I, I could see on Halloween. This is just going through the roof. Apothic Red. I'm going to take it to the theme party. I'm going to take my—I'm doing my bad impression, too. Hey, well No, we, it's
2: Apothic Dark. Apothic Dark. Because the dark Apothic Red is a different wine.
1: That is, that is different. This is— <laughs> it's a <apothy> perfect dark. <laughs> the Dark Tower. Thank you for doing that impression. When we come back on Kogil Wine and film a perfect pairing, former Vice President Al Gore is back on the big screen in another alarming look at the consequences of global warming. It's called an inconvenient sequel, Truth to Power. And we will be, yes, we will, right back. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't either. Welcome back to Kogil Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. So, 10 years ago, Vice President Al Gore fronted this Oscar-winning documentary, An Inconvenient Truth, warning the planet of what will happen, or likely will happen, if we don't do our best to clean up the air and water and take better care of our planet. So, how have we been doing? How have we done well, Gore is back with some answers in the film called An Inconvenient Sequel, Truth to Power. And here's a couple uh, things about this film. The original was directed by Davis Guggenheim. Who we love. Who we love a lot. Now, he produced this film along with...
2: Um, T-Bone Burnett. T-Bone Burnett, the yeah. music
1: guy from Texas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the original cost one point five million dollars, million and a half. Yeah. It made fifty. It was a huge hit. Won the Oscar. Everybody got excited. Listen, I thought the I thought the original was a terrific film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sequel cost around a million. It's just opening, so we don't know where it's going to go. But it's directed by Bonnie Cohen and John Shank. And you know, it's about his continuing mission and his slideshow that he goes around the world. It's also about the Parrot Climate Conference, the Paris, most recent yes. one, and the and the one that happened before. Where all these countries in the world got together and signed up. And of course, we know now that not all of them are signed up. And, and I, I think it's a really good film. I, I think it's not as good as the original. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because things have changed a lot and they allude to it a lot. Mm-hmm. But they don't beat you over the head with, they don't beat you over the head with Trump. They don't beat you over the head with conservatives. Not at all.
2: I think they should have done a little more. They could have but, done a lot more. Yeah, I, I look at that more as as editing timing and and shooting timing. I mean, it they didn't really yeah. the the only real. I mean, I think the film was probably done at the end of last year, and so they they just spent the last six months in editing and and just put a few brief slides at the end of of this film to kind of say where we are as of today, upon release.
1: What I liked about the film a lot was the opening title sequence, mm-hmm. because it's all voiceovers of detractors, mm-hmm. of people that don't agree with climate change. And it, and it's showing this stuff, and then it's all these voices, most many of them politicians, some of them talk show hosts, just kind of going off like, this is ridiculous, and... Blah, blah, blah. And I I thought that was interesting. And it's important for them to use that Mm -hmm. because I think you need to hear all of that. And not that – I think there's a fallacy that documentaries are two sides. They really aren't. There's we've, always a mission. There's always a purpose in the doc. We think the documentary should present both no, sides of the story, and they're I not. I don't know. They're a filmmaker's point of view of whatever <laughs> they want. And they can do whatever they want to do. Absolutely. And we know what Al Gore thinks after the last documentary and his mission, actually. Well,
2: his what he's spent the for last 40 years of his life on, yeah.
1: yes. I find it interesting that somebody came out with an anti-Gore article in the last few days saying that his home, where he lives, and part of the film takes place in his home, in I think Kentucky in Tennessee in Tennessee uses 26 Tennessee. times more power than the average home in America. Well, it's bigger, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's a ranch. It's, and working it's a ranch. ranch. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But that's the that's the big slam. And no, they released that article right at that time. Yeah, of course they did. Of course they did. But uh, here's what I learned from this film that I really liked. I learned a lot more about India that I didn't know before because my focus most of the time has just been I don't know how people even breathe in parts of China. And China's, uh, uh, according to this, and according to a lot of the stuff I've read, has stepped up to the plate a lot more than most mm-hmm. countries. But they have a long way to go because mm-hmm. it's just awful. Uh, but India, with with the heavy population there and what's been going on since the 2016 Filthy. Paris mm-hmm. Agreement, has mm-hmm. been really interesting.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that there's been a lot of great work done. And I think that – Yes, I want you to kind of finish your thoughts on the film before I kind of yeah. say my little piece.
1: Well, the other thing is, I've always been troubled by. Well, we've had this conversation. You go to Greece and you come back and say every home has a solar panel. Every
2: home has a solar panel in Why Greece. Why can't we have as, solar panels? As the here? country is declaring bankruptcy, it doesn't make any sense to me how how right. the most advanced nation in the world. Has such a problem with with solar energy,
1: right? And the reason, well, we live in the state of Texas, and the big reason, politically, lobbyists will and not economically, allow it to is we're an oil and gas state. Yes, and we're a fracking state and a shale state, and so they're going to fight just like
2: anything that, just could like actually, an
1: airline company is going to fight super trains. Sure, yes. So, so and and
2: the lobbyists wins and the power wins and it's just and they they adopted the same the same mantra that big tobacco did and and they're basically going after all the same people
1: and shaming them
2: and shaming them which I I I I just I don't understand how we can live in a world that sees the effects of global warming and still say it doesn't exist it makes I am I am I I I'm not the smartest person in the world. I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm not the smartest room person in this room, but I'm just, it just floors me how, how we can choose to bury our heads in the sand instead of just say, well, maybe it is true. Let's, let's try to, to make the world a better place for the next generation. I don't have children. You know, it's, it's, I'm not, my kids aren't going to, going to be hurt from this. But my gosh! All these people that deny have all these kids and then grandkids. What are they thinking? It makes no sense to me.
1: Well, I don't. And my voice just got really high because I am a little. Well, they did. They did. They they failed to do one thing in this film. I mean, they looked at conservatism basically, and and kind of the you know the way the Republican Party is going now, and so much client a climate denial within that party. But they're also they left out the whole religious right. Who's also seems for the most part, and I'm generalizing completely in denial. And yet to take, to be good stewards of the land and yes. good stewards
2: I mean, that's of the earth is kind of,
1: it's very biblical. And to, and to just kind of deny that for your own ideologies. I, I wish the film, I'd love to see a documentary on that. There's a, there's a woman I follow on, on um, on Twitter, there's a person I follow, and I find her interesting because she's kind of a darling of the evangelical movement, mm-hmm. but she's uh, also uh, a climatist, and she's fascinating That's and smart, name. and really trying within her own group, within the church, the Christian church, trying to figure out why nobody's on it? board. Um, it's I want to say Kehoe is her last name, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll I'll bring that up next time, but I follow her and I read her pretty regularly. And she's really interesting to me, and she does a lot of presentations. But, you know, she's fighting an uphill battle Mm -hmm. within ultra-conservatism, especially within the church, especially on climate denial because they're focused on other things. And a lot of people just think God's going to take care of it, and I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all.
2: Well, I think that—
1: You can't throw that junk out and and not have it come back. And
2: you can't expect— You can't expect all your crap to be fixed by God. I mean, God gave us this earth to to take care of, and well, let's take our house
1: as an example where we live. If we just let it go and say God's going to take the trash out, it doesn't get taken out. It's insane. It's insanity. And and to think that, well, you know, there was lots of bad weather way back then. Yeah, of course there was. But the, but the charts are really interesting, and the deniers in this are really, really, I'm fascinated by that. I
2: But my whole thing is, like, deny or don't deny. If there are enough people around you that say, okay, we think this is a problem, even if you don't, then why don't you just give those people, just give it to them. Just say, okay, I may not believe it. But the fact that you're so passionate about it makes me say, okay, we'll give you this. We'll, we'll let you do whatever you want to do. That's my whole thing. It's, it's why, why fight it? Why, why get out of the Paris Agreement? Every 150 other nations agreed to it. What, what makes you, Mr. President? Sorry, I don't mm-hmm. like to get political, but what makes you think that you have a right to pull out of this agreement that everybody else every 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 nation including india that was the whole thing it's like the 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 biggest the biggest anti supporter because i completely agree that these people are just trying to get energy to their, their to their their billions oh. of people not uh, clean or not they're just trying to get something well, and for I... them to sign on how how dare we how, how dare we say no, we don't agree with that because Obama signed it in and my whole goal is just to ruin everything that Obama
1: did. You're doing that impression again. Because I, it I love makes it so me much. so,
2: it just makes me so angry. Yeah. Because there are a lot of things that have happened that I don't agree with in the last six months, but now you're like messing with the whole world. You know, you're not just messing with our country. You're messing with the whole world. And to me, that's just ignorant.
1: Well, part of the movie, uh, an inconvenient sequel, Truth to Power, and they didn't speak enough truth to power in this movie. They spoke it to the, they spoke it to the choir, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the knock on the film for me. And I still think it's a very good film and worth seeing. But th- that a lot of these underdeveloped countries, because they're so poor, are the biggest polluters. And they need help and mm-hmm. they, they, they don't need you to just give them cash and walk away. And I think that's part of us pulling out of that because it's that whole mentality that why, why should we help anybody? Well, there's a reason because the planet's at stake and yes. it's, we're one country in the planet. And we're the largest, we're the largest, uh, polluter on the planet and then the largest user of energy on the planet. And we should be more responsible. So I, it just seems logical to me. Um, I want a solar panels on my roof, I do too. and I don't like—I don't. Oh, this is my soapbox. I don't like the idea of somebody saying, "Well, I'm going to tax you so much over that and make it unaffordable for you, so you can do this energy." Uh, at some point, this is all going to be solved with giant batteries mm-hmm. or with smaller batteries. Mm-hmm. Somebody's—that's mm-hmm. the next big thing. If you can solve the battery issue on mm-hmm. this planet, it's—it it's, it it can be amazing. and it can
2: be solved it because, can be like solved. you said yeah. at the beginning of this segment. I was in Greece as they were getting ready to declare bankruptcy, and yet yep. every home in Santorini has a solar panel on its roof. Yep. Explain how this this bankrupt com- com- country can have mm. can have that much solar energy.
1: Uh, here's another here's another thought that I really liked from this film. This is the good part, as. As climates get warmer in certain parts of the country that were always cold, as they get warmer, bugs invade. And when bugs invade, mosquitoes, Mm -hmm. um, it's not just a southern thing anymore. But when they invade colder climates, they bring disease and they bring Zika. They bring all kinds of things. And it it becomes a major issue, let alone droughts. And let alone well, I famines think that, and droughts and things that are caused by extreme warm temperatures and, and, and extreme cold
2: temperatures. And glaciers melting and yeah. seas rising. And, you know, they, the one thing I wish that they had talked a little bit more about, because I think this would have actually hit on some of the nonbelievers, is, okay, let's – there was a, a point in the film that they are in Miami and they're showing how how Miami streets are flooding – because of of the rise in the seas, right. and yet, and they have all these pumps, and they're trying to to fight it, but it's not being fought, and so eventually that will continue throughout the entire country. And if you are in a coastline city, you know, show me that in Malibu with all these billion dollar homes, multi million multimillion dollar homes, in Malibu with your, you know, so you used to have beachfront property, and now you're in the middle of the ocean, like that's. That's the effect that we need to see. We need to see, see, you know, the the million dollar homes and and Martha's Vineyard and and Montauk and like. Uh, let's talk wine because I'm just going to get on a soapbox. No, I, I, no, it's, it's fascinating. It's we need to. Uh, we need to show there was a nice part in this of every every city in in the country that is actually doing a lot for for trying to become a completely green city and one of
1: them was Georgetown was Texas in
2: Texas and it's Georgetown Texas and he's a there's a very conservative mayor that that doesn't agree with with his party democratic politics he is very much a republican right And yet he has made his city, Georgetown, Texas, predominantly energy efficient with wind and solar, wind coming from Amarillo. 100%. Solar coming from, uh, solar panels built in West Texas. And, and his whole reasoning was the fact that my goal, uh, my job is to give my constituents, the people in my town, the most affordable energy possible. Just that should be enough. Just
1: that should be enough. Just
2: that should be enough. If money to say, speaks, yes. that should be enough. And Lord knows in Texas, we, we, yeah. we know that money speaks. So why in the world would you deny something that's more affordable? No, I
1: agree. I agree, okay, so who in wine is doing it well so
2: the the nice thing and and we've talked a lot um over the course of of the show of the year we've been doing this podcast of clean green wines. I, there are so many that I love liam Baral and and Doc is one that just always comes to mind. They you know, Kate up on the mountain. there was the first um lead certified gold winery mm-hmm. in Napa Valley. There's so many great wineries that are doing it right, but just this week one of our favorites received an additional kind of level of certification that I'm so excited about and so proud of them and that's Stoller Family Winery. We've talked a lot about Stoller, We've talked a lot about my my girl crush on their amazing winemaker Melissa Burr. We like her. I love her and think she is so talented, but really when when Bill Stoller started Stoller Family Estate, He started it on his family's turkey ranch. It was a, it was a turkey farm in the Dundee Hills of Willamette Valley. And over the years, I've always been so impressed with just his dedication to to the land. And it's almost kind of what we were just saying. It's almost because this is the land his family grew up on. And as a good steward of the land, you want to take care of it.
1: Yeah, and you want to leave it well. You want to leave it better than you found it.
2: Better than you found it, to the point that he's he's always been sustainable. He's always farmed sustainably. Even when they built their fantastic new tasting room, he used reclaimed wood from a forest fire that had occurred in the region. And he went out and he and he, wow. he gathered all of this wood that had been burnt and used that wood to build their their solar Powered tasting room. Hmm. So, this um, just this week received an additional certification. It's called a B Corp certification. Their efforts to create wine in a green way as green away as possible. Companies that have achieved this certification status meet the higher standard of verified social and environmental performance, public transparency, and legal accountability. Wow. And the nice thing is they kind of um, gauge this based on a handful of different practices, including you know what do you do for consumers what do you do for community-based efforts what do you do for the people that work for you and what do you do for the actual environment and and then you're kind of ranked in any company that reaches I want to say 80 plus um, is eligible to receive this and and the highest ranking of all of these different categories um, that that qualified them to receive this was for the environmental efforts hmm. which I just uh, you yeah. know i just love and then in addition in, d- in addition to all of that they make really good wine they
1: make really that's one of the most beautiful tasting rooms it's
2: it's a beautiful place it's but it's
1: just stunning
2: but also just the fact like they make they make stellar tewa driven dundee hills pinot noir their chardonnay is is some of the best chardonnay i've ever had in the world. Yeah. The the chardonnay fruit that they grow and sell to other winemakers is also some of the best chardonnay that i've ever had in the world. And and, and they just you know, it's kind of the beauty i think of Willama and and just the the maybe it's the beauty of Oregonians as i look at my handsome Oregonian husband. There's they're not all about pomp and circumstance. They're so all about we're doing it. We're doing it the best that we can. We, we want to be good stewards. We want to make good wine. We want to welcome people in. We want to help
1: their neighbors.
2: They, they're, they're gracious and. And giving and I've always, yeah. you know, since, since the first time I was, I've had their wine and was introduced to the wine to today, everything that they have, I'm always so excited about. And, you know, what yeah. the, the specific wine I would pair, which is what we just had is their beautiful rose. We've talked about the rose before. Mm-hmm. I think it's watermelon and juicy tangerine and bright strawberry and a great summertime wine and and I think a
1: really appropriate wine for, for this little family. Didn't we taste a rosé out of a barrel there?
2: We did. We taste out of the tank.
1: Out of the tank.
2: And it was before it, it was bottled. It was
1: before it was bottled.
2: It had gone through fermentation. I've never had
1: young, young rosé. It was kind of just in yeah. its
2: like holding process. We had it, um, it around January several years ago. Yeah, so it, it had juice. already gone yeah. through everything. It was just kind of in the holding state before it was bottled. And it was, it was just like this beautiful layer of juicy watermelon and bright, bright you know, strawberry flavors. Oh, it was just, I, it's it's one of my favorite rosés in the world. Love it.
1: So we're in total agreement that an inconvenient sequel, Truth of Power, is a really good film. Yes. It's a good film. And we're in complete... An important film. An important film. And we're in complete agreement, and I'm still pissed off that I can't get solar panels because <laughs> we want them. There's, a, there's a whole group of people trying to keep me from getting them, and it just makes no sense. And we're in complete agreement that The Dark Tower is right now the number one re- worst film 2017 it is for me so far
2: it's right up there with that other film that you liked and i didn't
1: oh ghost story yes oh it's good that's a good (laughs) film Haley.
2: it's better than it is better i think than dark tower but (laughs) not by
1: much (laughs) yeah that's a good film actually
2: i can't wait until we get to like october
1: (laughs) someday someday i'm going to pin your eyelids open and make you watch a ghost story over it. No, or
2: no, I, I can't wait until next week because I think we've got a good film next oh, week. Oh, next
1: week on Kogel One and Film a Perfect Parent. The Oscar-nominated writer of Sicario and Hell or High Water, both nominated two times for an Oscar. Taylor Sheridan from Texas is back directing for the first time uh, part three of his crime trilogy starring Jeremy Renner, Elizabeth Olson. The film is called I Can't Wait. Wind River.
2: I can't wait either. I Me think too. this is finally okay. We're we're finally gonna get something really good. Yeah. And if nothing else, we have these are two actors we both love. Yeah, we love and them. And have been waiting for this yeah. film for a long well, time. I love this
1: writer director. But
2: for more on <laughs> on b- b- some of the films that we've talked about this week, yeah, and yeah if you want to see it, you go. We're we're, we're gonna yes, it's we're a gonna, free country. Well, <laughs> Check out our blog on CogillConsulting.com or through our Facebook page. Be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill and see what we're drinking now by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas and Court.
1: And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and as usual, I'm looking for the next great film.
2: I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine.
1: Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.